Welcome to the Career Solutions Podcast. With more than 25 years' experience in career coaching via her own company, managing and leading teams in major corporations, host Marilyn Feldstein will share her experiences, tips, tools, resources, and success stories to inspire you to find the purpose and passion in your career. Welcome to the Career Solutions Podcast. I'm excited to continue discussing taking care of your emotional wellness with Xander Kegg and how important this is to managing your career. My podcast is aired monthly, so please continue listening. This is my last emotional wellness segment with Xander. If you're just tuning in, Xander and I began working together in January on my podcast, and we met when he became a client who was considering branching out on his own. We explored all of his skills, talents, interests, and passions, and he's now living his dream. Our focus has been on what you can do to take charge of your emotional wellness. What we will not do is provide therapy or counseling in these episodes. Today, we'll discuss diversity of thought at work and how this may affect your career and emotional wellness. The Diversity for Social Impact website begins by saying, You have heard that great minds think alike. But have you ever wondered if this adage is really true? Humans are, after all, unique and distinct from one another. So how can every mind think alike, even the great ones? The article refers to diversity of thought as cognitive diversity, meaning the different ways people exhibit their preferred way of thinking. I love this introduction as it reflects what I think of when I think of the organizations I've worked in. It is quite common that managers want to hire people they feel comfortable with, people who look and think like them. They may want to use personality assessments to find people who are similar to them, but we need to have a variety of personalities to really be diverse in our thinking, such as when you want to identify alternative business solutions, solve problems creatively, and plan strategically. Since this is such a large area, Xander and I will focus on decision-making issues. Xander, what does diversity of thought mean to you and how it may affect emotional wellness when making decisions? That's a really great question. Well, I, I put it into the context of diversity in and of itself in the workplace is something that's championed as being a good part of, you know, decision-making about who to hire and what kinds of um, programs perhaps to um, offer, trainings to offer. I also think about diversity in the sense of uh, looking at productivity and innovation. So when you think of uh, diversity of thought and productivity and innovation, what comes to mind for me is like a brainstorm session, like maybe working on a marketing campaign or an event coordination or product development and being able to bring different minds together to come up with different ideas so that the the um, most elaborate, the most creative, the most innovative, the most accessible, you know, product program or um, system can be developed, right? So bringing all of those people together, either in person, uh, via video conferencing, telephone conferencing, uh, also sending out, you know, um, 
surveys to employees to invite people to provide their own unique response to questions or inquiries. And so it, when we don't have that opportunity to have our voice included as far as not just our voice as, say, a black person or a gay person or, you know, a person um, with with a, a disability, but a person who thinks differently about things, somebody who has just cognitively is different. And that doesn't necessarily mean we're talking a person with ADHD or on the autism spectrum. Yes, that, but not only that, um, because otherwise what's going to happen is we're going to squelch creativity. We're going to silence dissent and we are going to limit the input and then that will impact productivity and innovation for the employee, for the department, for the whole company. Absolutely. I love the um, when you talk about brainstorming. And if you go back to what brainstorming really means, it's that there are no bad ideas. And so it's really about just gathering all that information and then looking at it and synthesizing it. Yeah, when somebody says, hey, we're going to go to a brainstorm session and then somebody says something that's, you know, they don't know that it's already been, quote, done before. That's what you'll hear. Oh, we tried that before. We'll write it on the board, right? Because maybe it's going to be coupled with somebody else's idea and then it'll be something new. Absolutely. Or maybe when it was tried 20 years ago, it didn't work. Maybe now is the time. You're absolutely right. So going back to um, things that you were just talking about, some of the things that squelch diversity of thought, what else comes to mind? Well, I I think the classic example of that would be groupthink, and I know we're going to cover that. I think about the issue of why somebody might either not be putting their input in, like maybe they they fear ostracization, they fear being fired, um, maybe there just isn't enough time made. You know, some people need a bit more time to come to their ideas. Some people can think of something in a split second. Other people might need minutes. Other people might need hours, right? So making room for people to, at the end of the meeting, so to speak, you can say, you know, by close of business, get your ideas in so that it's it doesn't have to be solved or planned or designed right there in that 45-minute meeting, giving people an opportunity to follow up on email, follow up through one of the, you know, digital ports that they're using for communication, especially with a lot of people working from home, right? This ability to, you know, they're multitasking in ways that are different than when they were multitasking in the office. So making time for that. Uh, But I think this fear that comes up for people um, it can be based in the fact that maybe at a, at a former job, they, they did um, get some pushback in a really strong way, and so they're a bit reticent now. Some people are just shy. Other people, quite honestly, um, have had trauma in their lives, and so they have a trauma response, which is they're going to be very quiet when asked something directly. It's, it's just a cognitive response based on trauma. So we, if we recognize all of those things, then we can we can make allotments for them. We can accommodate them in, in whatever way is necessary. Yeah, and what we're, what we're not going to discuss today, but it, when listening to Xander, it touches on um, having trust. It's knowing that the culture of the organization allows for a divergent way of thinking, and then that's okay. It, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not about um, that, you know, that why would you say something like that? 
Well, just to add one more cultural piece to that, there are people from all over the world who live here in the United States, right, where we live now. And so people are socialized to not disagree with the boss. They're socialized to engage a minimal amount of time. So sometimes people are going to have cultural, quote unquote, barriers. It's just different, but they might be perceived as barriers because we expect that somebody can just spit out an idea in half a second. And maybe they can't for those reasons. Absolutely. So, Xander, do you have an example of when you think of groupthink that would demonstrate that? Well, I think the classic example of groupthink, I know it's what I was taught in my group dynamics class, so I think it's a fairly common, it's in most of the textbooks that deal with this topic, is the Spaceship Challenger, uh, which exploded in 1986, just after takeoff. And there was a whole group of people that were working, of course, on the Spaceship Challenger, many different aspects of the building of the Challenger and the and the electrical system, like, right, everything, the engineers, the, the computer system. And there was a member of one of those groups that I e- he either had a suspicion or a strong knowing that there was a faulty component in the structure, right, in the, in the structure of, of the uh, space shuttle Challenger. But he did not bring that to the attention of the people in the group. And when they went through the wreckage, of the Challenger, um, they found that it was exactly that part. And so when they went back and started, you know, interviewing people like they do, right, to find out what went wrong so that that never happens again, that's when they discovered that this one gentleman, I believe an engineer, um, knew or had a very, very high instinct that there was something faulty with a part, but did not say anything. So, I mean, it can be disastrous. I don't want to sound hyperbolic, of course, because it's not always going to be like that. But just think about that. There were people on board that sh- Challenger. Absolutely. And children were watching it live on TV in mm-hmm. schools that morning. Mm-hmm. So it was pretty devastating mm-hmm. all, all around. Yes, we were all affected by that. So in the Mind Tools website, it states that in Irving Janus's 1972 book, Groupthink, his research looked at why a team reaches an excellent decision one time and a disastrous one the next, as Xander was just pointing out. What Janus found was a lack of conflict or opposing viewpoints, which led to poor decisions because alternatives weren't fully analyzed and because groups didn't gather enough information to make an informed decision. Janus suggested that groupthink happens when there is a strong persuasive leader, a high level of group cohesion, so you don't want to make waves, intense pressure from the outside to make a good decision. And based on my experience, I'd like to add the perception or reality that a particular decision is expected despite the facts. So without really knowing all the details of the challenger, for example, it could have been that there was so much pressure that, you know, we're doing this no matter what. And so just keep your thoughts to yourself. And, you, and as Xander said, we all know how disastrous that was. An example I have is when I was in charge of a staffing division, our vice president called an all-day off-site meeting to brainstorm with the leadership team on creative ways to market our company. However, we noticed that the vice president did not stay for our meeting. 
She set it up and then she left. And after we spent a lot of time and energy coming up with many innovative ideas, the vice president later returned and shared with us her predetermined decision that had nothing to do with our ideas. We were all very displeased that we were, we wasted our time. She misled us and set up false expectations. It also made us reluctant to share future ideas. And as Xander was just touching on a few minutes ago, there are other elements that may affect an absence of diversity of thought. And as he mentioned, cultural differences. So some people may have just been told to kind of just be in the background. Don't speak up. Um, you may not want to make waves thinking it may hurt your career or promotional opportunities. So you just go with the flow, even though you disagree. Anything else you'd want to add to that, Sander? I mean, what it all boils down to me is thinking that on two, there's too many opportunities that are missed to collect a diverse range of inputs from employees when there's just no room made for them. If there's no room made, then people aren't going to contribute. And just because you hold a meeting and you invite people to it, not everybody can come to that meeting at that time or stay for that length of time, whatever it is. So it's like finding as many opportunities as possible to make more room for people to come up with a longer list of ideas. Right. So contributing, and as Xander was saying that, um, what came to mind for me is that I'm an introvert, and introverts can really struggle in the workplace. It doesn't matter how what your position is. It doesn't matter how confident you are. But if you're in a room filled with extroverts who are just so focused on talking and sharing their ideas and you're not asked to contribute – it shuts down introverts. A lot of times I'll be at meetings and there'll be um, like agreements, you know, like group agreements or rules, you know, they'll use different languaging around that. And oftentimes I'll find, especially in non-workplace settings, they'll have a, one of the agreements or rules will be something like step up, step back, right? Which is if you are a person who is more reticent, a bit more shy, a bit conflict avoidant, make an effort to step up. And if you're a person who just feels the need to contribute a lot, maybe step back, right? And so I don't necessarily hear that same invitation in the workplace. I think that's more in community organizing, um, which I've you know been doing for, for a few decades. So it's like bringing something like that into the workplace as well when we're having a brainstorming session or just a marketing, you know, creative meeting. They all call it different things in different settings, but bringing in this idea of, you know, let's make room, let's maybe even invite. When I facilitate discussion groups, I will say things like, um, I'd love to hear from people who haven't said anything, or I'd like to know if there's any ideas that haven't been proposed. I find ways to to elicit that input. Absolutely. And sometimes it's helpful to call on people just to make sure that they, if they don't have anything to offer, that's okay, but they have an opportunity to do that. And if you're leading a team, you can create a norm that everyone is expected to share um, and if you don't have something to share, to at least let the leader know that, so acknowledge that. But 
But at the end of the meeting, you know that everyone's been heard. I love that um, step up, step back. I've never heard that before, and that makes sense. Yeah, it's definitely in community organizing. You know, a lot of times I'll be in spaces where people will sort of, quote, popcorn it. Like you just if you have an idea, you Mm -hmm. just raise the issue or the idea. But if you go around a table or around a room clockwise, counterclockwise by first letter, of first name, something and you give everybody an opportunity, at least that person who doesn't want to say anything could say, I don't have anything right now. Absolutely. And another tool, another way to elicit feedback or response is sometimes people just need some quiet time. So maybe it's taking a break or maybe it's just saying, okay, we're going to stop here. And, you know, if anybody wants to just take a few minutes and process what we're talking about and write it down and maybe have a flip chart on the wall that you can add those comments to. So um, there are lots of ways to gather gather that information so that it, because everybody again processes information differently well one thing that just came to me is that when i do my conflict management trainings a, a component of that is talking about active listening right or just listening when you're in dialogue with somebody and so if you think about it the directions are the or the recommendations are when you're when you're listening to somebody don't be formulating your response. Don't be going into a defensive frame, right? Actually stay open and listen. So it's possible that there are individuals sitting among us, right, or, or you know, either virtually or in person, and they're listening to every single idea being put forward, and they're not actually formulating or generating their own ideas. And we would, we would praise that in any other kind of setting, so it's it we maybe we, we could be more cognizant of the fact that some people are actually very good listeners and so they're not formulating their response while someone else is talking, which is going to be person after person after person after person. You're absolutely right, Xander. Um, really good point that there are people who just need time to gather the information, especially when it's a lot of information. So they're just think of it as data gathering and then they're going to formulate their opinion response it could be it could be then or it could be much later it could be the next day well and for it depends on what the project is like there are certain people that you're going to pull into a room to brainstorm you know how to how to write some code for a, you know something that's going to be for a user and then you bring the users in to test it out and then you get their ideas about was that user friendly? Was it, you know, could could you figure out what to do without having to be instructed, right? So there's going to be even different levels of inquiry and data, you know, idea um, collection. Absolutely. Very good point. So when you think about diversity of thought, what can you do? And previously, I shared a story about not valuing diversity of thought And now I'd like to share a story about valuing it. I've been fortunate to experience several occasions where having diversity of thought created amazing results. The one that made the biggest impact was being involved with a group of volunteers in the Association for Talent Development. This is an organization where I've held local and national leadership roles and have been very involved for many years. We had a diverse team that developed a community-wide training program in partnership with the Disney Institute, which raised more money than we had ever raised, 
allowing our local chapter to be financially sound and bring in professional speakers who have added significant value to our members over more than a decade. So Xander, what else would you like to add to help our listeners feel included? And how does diversity of thought affect emotional wellness? Well, you had, you had mentioned previously conflict, right? That people are conflict avoidant or that people are, can get uncomfortable around conflict. And so I just, I just want to reassure people that not all conflict is bad. Our reaction and response to conflict sometimes is almost autonomic, right? We just tense up, right? It can be a stressor. Conflict can be a stressor and that stress can impact our body, and our mind, right? So we can have physical and emotional stress as a result of this conflict, which is a stressor in our environment. Um, It might, I mean, we've talked about this in the last six episodes, like the things that are impacted are loss of uh, good quality sleep, experiencing anxiety, maybe resentment, um, burnout, compassion fatigue, apathy, you know, people looking for new jobs, right? So churn is impacted. Again, going back to productivity and innovation on that individual level. Um, and so this can really take the toll on individuals. And there's so much emphasis, especially nowadays. There are so many companies right now that are setting up shop to provide mental health benefits to employees of co- corporations around the world, nonprofits, hospital systems. Systems. Um, so clearly, we know this is this is our this is our future. Now, being more attentive to the emotional and mental well-being, right? In, incorporating wellness, emotional wellness, into our wellness programs. So, incorporating things in about um, breathing exercises, stretching exercises, mindfulness exercises, um, getting out away from your desk, from your cubicle, from your office. You know, taking walks stretching, all of these things are going to be able to help us, quote, clear our mind, right? Get some fresh air into our body. When we stretch, we're allowing our, our, our blood to flow more smoothly through our, our, you know, our bodies. Um, when we're tense, that blood is constricted and we need that blood flowing in order to feed our body, feed our brain, and also eating a healthful diet. Right. So being attentive to these things, getting enough hydration, um, not overdoing it with alcohol. Right. So all of these things are factors and contribute to if we don't do these things, it's going to contribute to the stress in our body and in our mind. Absolutely. Really great examples. Um, also taking a nap. So lots of companies now are um, have added nap rooms and value that. So you can take a 15, 20 minute nap and at work and be refreshed and um, being willing to speak up to, you know, to something that's important to you so that you feel valued, heard and engaged. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't think it's been around for a very long time, but it's on almost every airport bus station and train station you go into now, there are signs everywhere. See something, say something. So this is the same thing. It's like, if, if we think something, then say something. Contribute in your meetings. Um, find ways to get your ideas communicated to whomever they need to be communicated to. Maybe you don't want to speak up in a group. So maybe you can find a way to go to an individual directly or through, you know, email, through a, a digital, you know, communication platform. Get your ideas expressed in the way that 
fits and suits you. Absolutely. And a great way to close is it will give you confidence. So by you speaking up and being heard, you're going to feel valued. So as I stated earlier, this is my last episode on emotional wellness. And I want to thank Xander again for partnering with me on how managing your career can impact your emotional wellness. Xander is an award-winning and amazing social worker, educator, and speaker who specializes in transgender social care, conflict management, inclusion, belonging, and emotional wellness training and coaching. Look him up on LinkedIn to learn more. We've discussed interesting and relevant topics, including enhancing your energy level, finding your purpose, feeling stuck and burned out, finding your identity, setting boundaries, and bullying in the workplace. I invite you to listen to the previous episodes and let me know if you have a topic you'd like me to discuss in the future. In today's episode, Xander Kegg and I discuss diversity of thought at work and how this may affect your career and emotional wellness. We shared examples that suggest great minds don't always think alike and gave you solutions to being heard and valued in the workplace to avoid groupthink. Like diversity and inclusion in the workplace, diversity of thought improves decision-making through creativity, productivity, employee engagement, and overall trust. How are you using diversity of thought at work? Please join me next month when I'll answer the frequently asked question, should I take any job while I'm looking for the one I really want? Please share my podcast with your friends and family. You can also hear me on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and other major podcast directories. Thank you for listening.